From KCUR Studios in Kansas City and the Missouri Humanities Council, this is Hungry for Mo, a podcast about the stories behind the iconic foods that shape our region. I'm Natasha Bailey. And I'm Jenny Vergara. I want you to meet Missouri's most valuable tree, according to the Missouri Department of Conservation. Well, they would know. It's the American black walnut tree. And one place, Jenny, that is all about the nut this tree produces, which is obviously black walnuts, is the town of Stockton, Missouri. It's where they hold a black walnut festival. It actually first started out of a festival called the Fiesta back in the 1930s, but it transformed into the black walnut festival to center around the black walnut crop that happens every year around this time. And this year marks its 62nd year. There's a parade, there's a black walnut queen, there are games, there's something called a nut roll where you take balls of yarn and roll them down a hill. It's just a fun weekend for people. Oh my gosh, okay, an entire festival around black walnuts. And people come from all over the state and across the region to celebrate the super valuable, yet at times I'd say maybe underappreciated nut. But obviously, the type of people you'd find at an annual Black Walnut Festival are all about black walnuts. I've had black walnuts, I've picked black walnuts, and I've had black walnut uh, lattes, and they're, they're pretty good. Like Forager, Jesse's sitting. Usually you gather them from the ground um, when, they, you know, when they fall. I went on a camp out one time where um, that was like all we had to eat. We had to forage around for black walnuts. And Bob Cruz, who comes to this festival every year. I do eat them on pancakes periodically, or with pancakes and pancakes. But his absolute favorite way to eat them? Black walnuts? On ice cream, of course. Throw them in the ice cream and eat it. It's like a, it's like a black walnut shake. So, Jenny, I brought in something special for you to try. Oh my gosh, is this black walnut ice cream? All right, I'm in. When I was a kid, this was my dad's favorite ice cream. Really? Yes, and it was not my favorite ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> True confessions. (laughs) One of the things black walnuts are known for is their distinctive taste. They're really different from the English walnut, which is the variety that most people think of when you just say walnut. English walnuts are not native to this area. They're cultivated, as in they're grown in orchards in places like California. But black walnuts grow wild, and they are native to Missouri and this region. So, Jenny, I brought in a few black walnuts that I found on the ground around my house for you to look at right now. They're in their different stages of growth. Off the tree, in its green state, it looks like a shriveled up lime. Yes. I mean, literally, like a tiny, tiny shriveled up kind of lime that's just dried up. But this is the outer shell. Yes. And then there's this brown that has kind of its leathery texture, and it looks about like an avocado seed. What does it smell like to you? Ooh. Wow. Like floor cleaner or something, oh, right? I, you know, I kind of like it. I don't think Me it's too. that bad. I think it's like a pine saw. It's, like, I like it. It's like right. fresh. Shocking. <laughs> have I ever taken t- the time to actually smell a walnut? I have not, I must confess. Okay, am I supposed to break into this? Opening up a black walnut uh, can be pretty treacherous. So f- to open up the ones that we have here, we would need a car or a mallet oh, wow. or a heavy-duty nutcracker okay. to open these. So I'm going to save us the mess. We're just going to taste. Oh, good. I've got some. I don't have a hammer or cheaters. a car handy. Oh, okay. Yes. A bag of black walnuts. Black walnuts are the unwalnut. 
really tastes nothing like a regular English walnut. Nothing. They taste of the earth. Musty, bittersweet, and thick. Oh, that's actually not a bad description. Musty. So the American black walnut is native to 32 states, but finds its home in the Ozarks, and it's the official tree nut of Missouri. Okay, so this is our nut. (laughs) This is our nut. Like it or lump it. (laughs) And most people lump it, I think. But really, it is kind of interesting to taste it on its own and then to taste it in something. When you think of black walnuts, Mm -hmm. do you think that it will ever have the reputation that a pistachio or a hazelnut has? Ooh. Uh, So I think most people know about English walnuts, but maybe not about black walnuts. So I would say probably not. I don't know. Seems like we should figure out a way to embrace it. But I think it's super sleepy. Like, I don't think everybody really... I know a lot of people realize that black walnuts has a distinctive flavor. I don't think most people could identify it or pick it out. But I think... And that's why I think English walnuts, because they're just bland. They don't taste like anything. They could be any nut, they really. Could be any nut. You literally you have no idea. Yeah. But this one needs like love. It does need love. <laughs> one person whose love for black walnuts goes all the way back to her childhood is Yvette Ammerman. You know, as a kid, uh, yes, we always, if you went to grandma's house on for Sunday dinner or anything, you would either be charged with picking up black walnuts out of the yard. Then if you sit down anywhere, you're going to get to crack black walnuts. She says, back in the day, it was more of a cultural tradition, a part of homesteading to harvest and process the nuts in the fall and winter. They would purposely plant black walnut trees on a property so that people could reap the benefits from this natural resource. And long before homesteaders, native peoples in this area used the nuts to eat and for dyes. And the wood from black walnut trees have always been seen as a really valuable hardwood. But over the years, Yvette says we've forgotten the deep historic importance of these trees and what they provide. People probably take for granted that you can go to the store these days and, you know, buy a bag of walnuts or black walnut and come home and be able to bake or make Christmas candy or cookies with it. And in the past, you would have had to have picked those off the ground yourself, brought them inside, dried them cracked them, you know, during the winter and picked out the the nut part and then stored them to use. And so they were very cherished and maybe more appreciated because it wasn't so convenient just to go to the store and be able to buy them when you want them. I just don't know that the next generation will maybe be able to cherish or know exactly how much it took to be able to have a half pound of walnuts that's in your cabinet to bake with or or put on your ice cream or do whatever. Yvette Amerman works as a forester for the Missouri Department of Conservation, and her work these days actually isn't really so much about the nut. It's more connected to black walnut tree lumber. The department says the black walnut tree is Missouri's most valuable species. The state is one of the leaders in the black walnut lumber production, exporting to places in Europe and China. This tree knows it wants to be hardy or a player into the future. And she says there's an extremely unique characteristic about this tree species. It has produced its own mechanism of ensuring 
reproduction. And more or less, that means it's kind of killing the grass or killing competition around it so that when the walnuts hit the ground, they have the potential to reproduce and start new seedlings. So that's really kind of phenomenal. It has a special defense mechanism. Oh. So it ha- it releases a chemical okay. that juggalone? Juggalone. Sounds like cologne. It does. It has its own cologne, juggalone. I'm going <laughs> to... Yes. All right. <laughs> well, man, it um, releases a chemical okay. and doesn't let anything else grow kind of around it. So it stops anything, grass, other plants. So it will survive. It will survive. <laughs> so the root system to a tree goes out underground as far as it is tall. So if it's a 20-foot tree, then the roots go from the trunk in all directions, at least probably 20 feet. So that kind of gives you an idea of its span, that it could potentially be putting out this allelopathic chemical that is inhibiting other things from growing. So you would want, you know, if you were growing 50-foot trees, then you need to not plant anything from the trunk in 50 or 60 feet or 70 if you want to give yourself a little bit of a buffer. So the juglone chemical that black walnuts produce is a biological phenomenon called allelopathy, and it makes it so certain plants can't grow near or around them. Now, not all plants are affected equally by juglone, but it's an important thing to look into if you are thinking about planting a black walnut tree or starting a garden near a black walnut tree which makes it seem like black walnuts really have it made. But that's not completely the case. Back in 2008, a disease called thousand cankers was discovered to be destroying the trees. Basically, it's a bunch of tiny walnut twig beetles, and the fungus they carry and the way they feed kills the trees over time. Fortunately, thousand cankers disease has not been spotted in Missouri. But it's something foresters and businesses are keeping a close eye on. For people like Brian Hammonds, the future of the black walnut tree couldn't be more important. Missouri is really the hub of black walnut country. Hammonds is the president of Hammonds Black Walnuts. The company is based in Stockton, Missouri, the place where that big festival happens. Black walnut capital of the world, as we say. More black walnut trees here than any place else in the world. More black walnut trees in Missouri than any other place in the world. And Hammonds is perhaps one of the nut's biggest champions. There's more protein in black walnuts than any other tree nut. And uh, there are good fats. There are all the wonderful features of uh, how healthy nuts are generally. And then black walnuts have even more, particularly the protein aspect. It is a superfood. If you mix that with other superfoods like blueberries, uh, dark chocolate, (laughs) they, they can be just absolutely wonderful. Hammond's Black Walnuts collects in the ballpark of 20 million pounds of black walnuts every year, the biggest operation of its kind anywhere. And more than half of that wild crop comes from trees in Missouri. Also, the way that these nuts are harvested and get to Hammond's in the first place is really unique. It's all hand harvested. People pick them up in yards and fields, pastures, wherever they're growing. And, uh, and they sell them. Uh, they find that that's a raw resource, uh, a natural gift of God every year. So basically, people go out and hand gather black walnuts, maybe from their own properties or out in the wilderness, 
just like Yvette's family has been doing for decades. There's a fun tool you can use to get them from the ground so you don't have to bend over so much. It's called a nut roller. And then people drop all the nuts they've collected off at holing stations all around the Midwest. That's where people are paid by the pound for what they bring in. Hammonds has about 200 of these stations. Then they take the nuts and process them. Processing black walnuts is a big operation. It's really hard to get the shells off, but they have all the equipment to do it in large quantities. Then they dry them and sell them to different grocery stores across the Midwest and other businesses who want them. They even sell their shells, which have a wide range of uses. When ground up, they can be used as an abrasive for cleaning and polishing, as a way to filter crude oil from water, and ground black walnut shells are also used in soaps, cosmetics, and cleansers. There's not another business like it in the world. Another thing that makes this business so special is that it's also deeply rooted in family. Brian is the third person in his family to carry on this legacy. It all started out with his grandpa, Ralph Hammonds, back in 1946. Well, to me, it's Papa. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Ralph was a local grocery store owner. Ralph had a good reputation in the community as a business owner. And he had been in contact with someone in Virginia who had wanted to buy black walnuts. So he did that for a year. And uh, did pretty well with it and looked around and decided, hey, there's a natural crop of black walnuts that happens every year. And uh, there might be an opportunity here to uh, put together a little business. So he went to Tennessee and uh, bought a black one, a cracking machine. And uh, as, as many of us who uh, have had some success in life can relate, he began to wonder, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? And he turned to uh, his associate, Merle Roberts, as they were driving back and said, well, Merle, you think we can make this work? And Merle looked at him and said, well, Ralph, you bought the machine, you've got to make it work. <laughs> and so, uh, with a lot of help, he did. Ralph Hammond saw a real opportunity with this wild crop, but knew he couldn't do it by himself. That was part of the whole business model, really, to engage and encourage the community to be a part of it all, to give them an incentive to go out and gather these wild nuts. Eventually, Ralph Hammond's son, Dwayne, took over the business, and now his grandson, Brian, and even great-grandson, Jacob, are involved. Brian Hammonds takes a lot of pride in this operation, going on four generations, and the greater impact it's had far beyond his own family. We have good people here working with us, and we have good customers, people who know and love the flavor of black walnuts, which is so unique and so different, and uh, it is less well-known now, particularly in the cities, but is very much appreciated in many rural communities all over the Midwest and, uh, and Southeast. Community is a big part of what we do. It's a big part of what rural Missouri is about, too. And, and that's where our hulling station operators come in. We have a chance to work with uh, feed store operators, grocery store owners, uh, landscape gardeners, uh, a, a lot of Amish folks, people all over the Midwest that uh, buy black walnuts during the fall of the year. Different reasons they do that. Some of it is to provide a market for their local people. So they care about their people and the resources and the opportunity for their local community to make some money on black walnuts. And, uh, so it's, it's a blessing to connect with them and to make it possible for them to keep doing it. But over 70 years in and four generations deep, Hammond says the future is still a little uncertain. Question marks are, will people pick up the wild nuts in the future? And uh, will people continue to buy and enjoy 
that bold, distinctive flavor of black walnuts as uh, it is more expensive because of that wild nature. And uh, it, it has a very much lower yield than uh, cultivated walnuts out of California. I think it's funny that we don't think about trees as being a local food source. Or... Right? Like, like we think of gardens and vegetables and things we grow, but we don't think of like... Trees. Trees are a natural food source and they help shelter us and they help create, you know, furniture for us. And they help, I mean, I think because we don't typically pay them much attention. I mean, they just kind of grow in our yard, right? <laughs> right. I mean, maybe this plays into that. By uh, We walk on the sidewalk every day and we walk by the black walnut and we, you know, we kick it off to the curb. It's in our front yards. I mean, it's kind of surrounding us everywhere. And everywhere. We, and we don't recognize it as um, a way to make money. We don't recognize it as a superfood. We don't recognize it as something that is indigenous that was here long before we were and will be probably here long after we're gone. I mean, this is this is kind of one of those things where I do think that foraging can be so frustrating if anybody's ever tried. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most amazing, you know, country girl, but I, every once in a while I can strap my boots on and get myself there. And the couple of times I've been foraging, it's really disappointing to like look all day and not be able to find a morel mushroom or a, a ramp. Um, Ooh, but this yeah. is literally something that you don't even have to forge that hard. Like it, your kids could do this. Like it's literally everywhere. You just have to look for it. Right? Well, after this quick break, we're going to meet a Missouri entrepreneur who has a long history with black walnuts and who has gone on to do something really special and delicious with them. We'll be right back. All right, Jenny, I want to introduce you to a person I talked to who grew up foraging black walnuts and who has gone on to do a really innovative thing with them. I grew up in the Ozarks and that's how I made my spending money as a kid. You know, you go out and you pick up the black walnuts and you take them to a hauling station and they cut you a check and you you got a little bit of pocket change for a bit. And so you, you, there's a great tradition of black walnuts in the Ozarks. Jolene Durham and her husband run Piney River Brewing Company in Bucyrus, Missouri, which is where they have their whole beer making operation and a farm. They use their well water and as many traditional ingredients as they can to make beers that reflect the Ozark region. Black walnuts are harvested entirely by hand and they grow wild. And the, the, the center of all that is really right here in the Ozarks, which is awesome. <laughs> they started brewing a black walnut wheat ale for a beer fest in 2011, but they liked it so much a year later they started canning and kegging it and it's become their signature beer everything that we've done we really tried to make that connection between the history of this place and and the things that may be really unique to the Ozarks um, as much as we possibly can so we've tried to make it a celebration of of our area as as well as making high quality beer okay so now we're gonna get a little taste wow this episode has been so fun I'm tasting all the things right <laughs> This is the best job ever. <laughs> I get to sit and drink beer and talk about walnuts. So it's light in feel. Okay. Yep. Which I was expecting heavy. Yes. And fresh in taste. Mm-hmm. There is zero of the traditional black walnut huang <laughs> in this beer. Yeah. Like none of that. So what we tasted in the nuts, what we even tasted in the ice cream... 
appears to have been brewed out of this beer. I can smell the black walnut just a little bit, but not a lot. When you tell someone that this is a black walnut beer, there's about three different things that are going to happen. Number one, it means nothing because there's a lot of places in the United States where black walnuts are not part of the regular food use. It's, you know, they don't have walnut trees, so they're not aware of it being um, a nut. A black walnut goes because English walnuts are well known, but not black walnuts. Then uh, the, the other thing that people do is, oh my gosh, a black walnut beer. I love black walnuts because they grew up in the, an area where there are black walnuts. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of people, they'll make, they'll see that there's a black walnut beer and, and they immediately connect to my grandma made a black walnut cake or my grandma always put black walnuts in her chocolate chip cookies. So there's that, there's a food connection when they see that black walnut and, and it's a positive one that they, they remember the black walnuts and they can't wait to try a beer that has black walnuts in it. And then the other side is people that have had black walnuts and they're like, Oh, I don't like black walnuts. You know, they've, Black walnuts can be a little astringent, a little more bitter than some other nuts. And so there may be an, a negative flavor that, that they're thinking of. And as long as people don't have an allergy to black walnuts or to nuts, you know, I always encourage them to give it a try because the way that the black walnuts come through in the beer, it is not astringent. You know, it takes a, it has a very nice, pleasant flavor as well as aroma, and and it can be surprising to people. Piney River Brewing Company actually gets their black walnuts for their beer from Hammond's Black Walnuts. One thing that I know that Hammond's always says is, you know, they get concerned about will people go out and harvest, and so. The one thing that I would encourage everyone to do a little bit of, even if even if it's just a, a couple of bags or buckets, go out and pick a few walnuts and take them to your local hauling station to get an idea of something that people have done for decades and, you know, have a little bit of that experience for yourself. So, Jenny, you know, we started out with the question of could black walnuts be the next pistachio? And I thought I'd ask Brian Hammonds that question, too. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, he'd love for that to happen. But I really liked what he had to say. You know, that's an interesting question. I've had that uh, asked before. Uh, I think they could be better than pistachios. Pistachios got got real popular with a lot of marketing. And uh, we don't have that much money to really push uh, black walnuts. Uh, it's a, still a small industry. Uh, but I think there's some niche opportunities there. Uh, chefs are really starting to discover black walnuts and how good they can be, both in sauces, but also as an addition in a lot of baked goods and and, uh, recipes from salads to vegetables. Hammonds has been really kind of trying to do its part to help market black walnuts to a wider audience, to help people think more creatively about all the different ways that they could be used in the kitchen. They have a pretty extensive recipe list on their website from sweet things like black walnut banana cake and a black walnut brittle to more savory dishes like a pork loin with black walnut and mustard sauce and black walnut zucchini carrot latkes. The truth is that flavor is very distinct. But, you know, 
paired with something sweet, it's kind of nice. I mean, I can see where this would go with chocolate and fudge or yeah, an ice cream or I can't I, imagine a savory use. I think this would be really good with pears and blue cheese. Right. Now, I agree with you on that. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, a charcuterie board yeah. that had the right cheese and the right fruit. You're right. But you still need that sweetness. You do. But cheese, listen to you, cheese. The cheese lady <laughs> recommending cheese. Of course you are. We've had ice cream. We've had beer. We've had nuts. In fact, I'm making a point now to like make my palate, you know, soften my palate toward black walnuts. I, yes. I, I want black walnuts in my life. Like this is something that... You know, now that I know that I'm from a place and that this tree is indigenous to where I live, I do feel a certain sense of pride that I should, you know, embrace a black walnut and figure out what are, I mean, we have a world of spice and flavor and everything at our fingertips now these days. There is something out there that a black walnut would be amazing at. And we can make it. Yeah. So this is like our own gourmet nut. Yes. Right? Our own signature. This is our, our state, state nut. Our state grows this nut. Yes. We, we should be all about it. Hungry for Mo is a production of KCUR Studios with support from the Missouri Humanities Council. It's hosted by me, Natasha Bailey. And me, Jenny Vergara. This episode was written and produced by Suzanne Hogan with editing from Gabe Rosenberg and Mackenzie Martin. Sound design and mix by Suzanne Hogan and our intern, Zachary Rogers. Jean-Vievre Desmarteaux is the head of KCR Studios. Music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks this episode to Beck Shackelford Wonganga, who gathered sounds, photos, and interviews from the Black Walnut Festival we heard at the top of this episode. And be sure to head to kcur.org slash hungry, where you can also see pictures and some fun black walnut recipes you might want to try. I'm Natasha Bailey. And I'm Jenny Vergara. Next week... It was like like almost a, an overnight success. It became very, very popular, and it started becoming almost national in scope. But some of the big boys in the salad dressing company didn't like it, and they were out to kind of squash him. The story of how a Kansas City restaurant created an iconic salad dressing in the 1940s that is still a national craze today. Do not miss it. Make sure you're subscribed to Hungry for Mo in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also shoot us an email at hungry at kcur.org or find us on Twitter at KCUR. You can find me on Instagram at JJ Vergara, where I post about all things food and drink and information about the Test Kitchen, and underground supper club I run in Kansas City. And I'm on Instagram at EatableKC for lovely pics of my family and all the cheese I love to eat. See you next week. Yeah, we probably need a talking, dancing black walnut. Don't you think? <laughs> Legs, <do>. arms, <laughs> little top hat. Forget Mr. Peanut. All different stages. We've, we've got Mr. Walnut. Yes. We don't need Mr. Peanut. We need Mr. Walnut.